Hey everyone, this is Anthony Fleming, Senior Pastor of Church Alive, praying that this message is fresh, real and powerful in your mind, your heart, your family, every part of your life. If you enjoy these messages, subscribe to it, share it with a friend to build their faith. God bless you as you lean in to the power and presence of God's Word. Them. Come on, keep thanking them. Come on, keep saying thank you to God. Come on, give them your best praise this morning. Come on, keep thanking them. Come on, every hand lifted in this place. Lord Jesus, we love you. God, we thank you that you came looking for us. And I pray that on this morning, as collectively as a nation, as we celebrate our freedom, God, help us to not lose sight of the wonder of the eternal freedom that you have purchased for us through the death and the resurrection of your one and only Son. Lord Jesus, I pray for anyone who's blinded by a lie, hearing guilt, shame, or deception this morning. I pray their eyes would be open to see what it is that we have in you. That they would know who they are in Christ. God, for anyone whose view has been obstructed, I pray that in our time together today, they would have a clear reminder of what you've already done before this morning. And so what will you not do in the middle of whatever we face now? Lord, anyone who's walking imprisoned by circumstances in their life right now with the power of the Holy Spirit, in the name of Jesus, I just proclaim freedom over every single person in this room. For people that are joining online today, maybe it's sickness in their body. I don't know what it is, but God, I pray for them right now. Freedom would begin to enter their circumstance. God, people in this room who came in here today because of an invitation, but there is no hope, there is no life. I pray right now, freedom would begin to rise in their heart. That God, we just declare right now that this is a moment of freedom. There will be salvations today. There will be healing spontaneously in your house today. That people are going to leave today with addictions breaking off of their life today. Because there is freedom in the name of Jesus. We ask all these things in your wonderful name. And everybody said, Amen. And amen. It's the 4th of July, y'all. So we got to start with an eagle sound. And this is how you know the OG Church Alive crew. If you've only been with us since we've been in this building, you think you know, but you have no idea. So go ahead, make your best bald eagle noise on three. And if you're sitting here and you're like, I can't believe he's doing that. Stop taking yourself so seriously. You are not that cool. Neither am I, but Jesus is. So on three. One, two, three. That was almost louder than the praise you just gave a moment ago. There's a whole lot of freedom in this place. Just one more time, because that was impressive. One, two, three. 
You can take a seat. And since it is the 4th of July, if it fits, if you like what, if, you, if what I'm saying resonates, if you just really sense God on it, just, just give me a ah in the middle of the message. But if it's at a moment where we should not have a ah, don't you dare go ah, okay? Just don't do it. Just give me an amen. Ride that bus. You can give me a shots fired, right? Second Amendment on 4th of July in Jesus' name. There it is. By the way, if you're in here and you're visiting and you're like, why do they have so much stuff just for men? And why do they have so much stuff just for women? It's 2021. Don't they know everything's the same? Let me just give you a simple reason why we separate it. Women on three, I need you to give me the best gun sound you can. Just the girls on three. You got to give me your best gun sound, okay? And you can even use a, a, a hand gesture if you want. Just the girls. Just the girls. Everyone say, just the ladies. All right, ladies, here we go. On three. One, two, three. <laughs> pew, 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 pew. Now, men, transform men. On three. I need you to give me your best gun sound. Men, are you ready? One, two. Two, three. So the girls are like, pew, pew, pew. And you're like, no, really. And they're like, pow. And the men are like, Rambo, like, tuk, 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 tuk. That's, that's why you have to have men and women's ministries right there, just in a box. Has nothing to do with my message. Someone, someone here, you, this is the first time you're getting to hear me share. I'm like that uncle that you only bring out in select circumstances. That's, that's what I am here. And I promise I do have a message to preach this morning. So title of my message today is called a declaration of dependence. Ooh, look at that right there. People are like, Ooh, give me the ugly face already. Like, ugh. all right. A declaration of dependence. You see, history has this nasty habit. Someone say nasty. History has this nasty habit of making the most audacious and world-changing events seem logical, predictable, or as if it could never happen any other way. History has this way of making world changing history shaping moments seem like a guaranteed outcome like why wouldn't they jump in boats on a freezing winter night to cross the delaware river why wouldn't you do that that just makes sense it makes sense now because you're living in the audacity of people who came before you you go to the shores of Normandy and D-Day. Why wouldn't America storm the shores? Do you know that when America was taking the shores of Normandy, there was one little point called Point du Hoc. It was these cliff faces about 90 feet high. And they gave the Rangers, the second Ranger Battalion, 30 minutes to climb up 90 feet of a sheer cliff with German soldiers lobbing grenades and shooting guns down on their faces all 90 feet up. You feel nervous getting on a six-foot ladder to change a light bulb. 
And Eisenhower gave the boys of the 2nd Ranger Regiment 30 minutes to scale 90 feet under enemy fire. The Germans would cut the ladders, the ropes. And you, you read the eyewitness stories of those men that day. And they were climbing ropes. They would get ready. There's one guy, I heard his testimony. He talked about how he stepped up to the rope, looked up as he was getting ready to climb it, and he saw the rope fall. And a man who was above him fall and just smashed like a potato. Pancake on the ground. Dead. And then he saw the, they, they launched the ropes onto the head of the cliffs with harpoons from landing craft off the shore. He saw a new rope hit take its place, and he stepped right over without hesitating and scaled that rope. And we're like, of course. Of course D-Day happened. Hindsight, knowing how the story ends, we make it all sound so nice. Think about this signing of the Declaration of Independence for a moment. 56 men signed that document. John Hancock is known for that beautiful, large signature. The reason, have you ever heard why he signed so large on the declaration? Stories told, someone asked him, bro, why are you signing your name so big? He, he knew King George could not see without glasses. And he said, I want King George to know John Hancock signed this document before he got his glasses. Fifty-six men signed the Declaration of Independence. Have you ever heard what happened to them? You're living in America today. It's nice. It's comfortable. We're a little bit messed up. Sure. We're not perfect. We've got some flaws. We have some injustices in our mix. We have some issues going on. Yes, absolutely. I'm not claiming perfection. But while you walk around and you hear fireworks and you just think fireworks, I was with Greg last night, he's traveling with me. Greg's a good friend of mine. It's his first time up here, make Greg feel at home. And I can't remember what Greg said, but he said something about the fireworks in the distance. And I just share with him, you know, it's funny, a lot of people, they hear that sound for the first, and, and their immediate thought is fireworks. I lived in the Middle East for a while. When I hear that sound, my first thought is there's shelling, there's shooting, there's bombing going off somewhere around here. And there's a lot of people in the world who live with those thoughts. And if we're not careful, we can think this is normal. If we're not careful, we can think this is just the way that it is. If you're not careful, you can just think that every church is like this church. You can take for granted the calling that's on this church. You can take for granted the incredible pastors that you have in this church. Anyone in here love Pastor Anthony, Pastor Miriam? I love your pastors. You're not careful. You can look at it and say, of course there's a church like this in New Jersey. And it didn't start out, of course. And the work God's doing in your life will not start out, of course. The 56 men who signed the Declaration of Independence, five of the signers were captured by the British as traitors and tortured before they died. Twelve of them, their homes were ransacked and burned. Two of them lost their sons in the Revolutionary Army. Another two, their sons were taken prisoner. Nine of the 56 died and fought from wounds or hardships during the Revolutionary War. They signed and pledged their lives, their fortunes, and their sacred honor. What kind of men were these? 24 were lawyers and jurists, 
11 were merchants, nine were farmers. They were men of means, well-educated, but they signed the Declaration of Independence knowing full well the penalty would be death if they were captured. Carter Braxton of Virginia was a wealthy planner and trader, and he saw his ships swept from the seas by the British Navy. He sold his home and his properties to pay his debts and died in rags. Thomas McKean was so hounded by the British, he was forced to move his family constantly. He served in Congress without pay, and his family was kept in hiding. His possessions were taken from him, and poverty was his reward. Vandals or soldiers looted the properties of Dillery, Hall, Clymer, Walton, Gwinnett, Hayward, Rutledge, and Middleton. Francis Lewis had his home and properties destroyed. The enemy could not find him, so they jailed his wife instead, and she died within a few months in prison. John Hart was driven from his wife's bedside as she lay dying. Their 13 children fled for their lives. I'm such a sucker. His fields and his gristmill were laid to waste. For more than a year, he lived in forests and caves, returning home to find his wife dead, and he never saw his children again. I hope that kind of sacrifice moves us. We look at what we have as a nation and we just think, why would it be any different? And it came at a great cost. Whenever you see people successful, be careful for wishing to have their life. You rarely know what it cost them to have it. When you look at Pastor Anthony and Miriam in their example and what they are walking in, you don't know what it's cost them. See, if we're not careful, the same mistake we make with America, we can make in our faith journey. We can look at the Christian story and say, I would have been one of the people who saw Jesus on the cross and thought, of course he's going to raise again three days later. But if you carefully read the gospel story, you know what's crazy? It's the people who seem to have the least amount of faith that it was going to turn out right were the people who spent the most time with him. The disciples were off, locked away in an upper room, scared and, and crying and trying to figure out what do we do now? It was the Jews who sent Roman guards to the tomb because they were concerned that Jesus' promise of raising three days later just might be true. The Jews cared enough to go and hang out at the tomb. The disciples thought everything was lost and didn't even bother hanging around those three days. If we're not careful, we can look at things today and say it was guaranteed. And yet in the midst of those moments, it was not as hopeful a situation. In Luke 22, or 23, 44 to 46, in the final moments of Jesus' life, this is the account Luke gives. It was now about the sixth hour and darkness fell over the whole land until the ninth hour. And because the sun was obscured and the veil of the temple was torn in two. And Jesus cried out with a loud voice saying, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And having said this, he breathed his last. You see, it's in Jesus' final moments on the cross that he reveals an absolute kingdom paradox. That true independence comes through total dependence. That if you want to live an independent life, 
It actually comes through living a life of total dependence and something greater than yourself. But here we are in the American culture and we celebrate the idea of the Marlboro man, the cowboy out on the range, doesn't need anyone else, can do it all alone. And if people don't agree with it, just force your way into it. Make your move, live your dream, be your own truth. If you don't like what's going on around you, just hashtag not my situation. And yet, when I look through the Bible, as attractive as that thinking is, I can't find that mindset. I can't find that narrative anywhere in the word of God. But you know what I can find is Proverbs 14, 12, which says there is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. And that's the, the paradox of independence. That if you take that word independence and you deconstruct it, it's interesting. You actually get the mashup of two words together. Independence. That you can't have independence without a humble dependence. And it's the people who think I can be my own truth. I can live in my own strength. That usually end up getting dashed against the rocks of life. For the Christian... True freedom is an invitation to dependence on Jesus. This life that you're promised isn't the offer to do what you want, when you want, how you want, because you want it. And when it isn't turning out, just turn Jesus into your lucky rabbit's foot. That is not what Jesus offered. Jesus did not offer to be your spiritual hype man. Jesus did not offer to be your miracle in a box. Jesus did not offer to be your personal lucky rabbit's foot. What Jesus did offer is throw down your nets, your way of living, your way of providing for yourself. Throw down your way of doing things and just follow me. Just follow me. Just follow me. Don't go back. Don't bury the dead. Don't deal with that field. Don't deal with these cares and concerns of life. At hearing who I am, trust me and follow me. That the path to freedom is through absolute dependence. I believe Jesus' behavior on the cross can teach us some important truths about the dependent life today. Why would the dependent life matter? Because you can't live an independent life without living in dependence. And so while the whole world is looking at independence and saying, I want that, I'm taking that, I'm getting mine, the reality is that the long way is actually the short way in the life of independence. That if you just go after independence for independence sake, you will end up a person living in a very small world. But if we can really hear what Jesus said and walk and live and trust independence, it's amazing how wide open the spaces are on the other side of that. But Jesus said, narrow is the road. Wide is the path that leads to destruction, but narrow is the road that leads to life. It's a paradox. And I wonder, are you walking in dependence on Jesus still? Christian, who have been on this journey a while, been a part of Church Alive since the beginning, are you still walking in dependence on Jesus? Is this making sense this morning? 
I mean, I know we're laughing. I know we're having fun. We're making eagle sounds. We're We're doing all that stuff. But do you guys hear what I'm saying today? Church Alive will not walk out its destiny just counting on itself. It comes through dependence. So what do we learn from Jesus? Number one, we learn dependent people know God's nature. Dependent people know God's nature. If you're going to walk in the freedom that God has created you to walk in, it does not come without a total reliance and trust in the nature of God. And when we look at Jesus and we look back knowing how the story ends, seeing the cross is one of the most beautiful moments. We took the torture implement that was most feared of the Roman Empire and we've turned it into jewelry. We wear a cross around our necks because we, we see it as the gateway to a beautiful transformation of humanity. But in Jesus' day, it was the most grotesque ending a story could possibly have. It was the greatest failure a revolutionary could come to experience. And yet in that moment, it's the pathway that God chose for the salvation of humanity. And Jesus is in that moment that looks like failure to everyone around him. And Luke 23, 46a says, And Jesus cried out in a loud voice, and he said, Father. See, I believe one of the reasons Jesus stayed on the cross is because he knew the heart of God. It's interesting how in the difficult moment, when Jesus referred to God, he called him Father. When you're hanging on a cross, you don't have spare words to use just for the, the, the you know, kicks and giggles, so to speak. Every breath is labored. Every word is calculated. And I just think it's amazing that Jesus hanging on the cross, having just lived a life of total subservience to God, you got to remember a key part of the Christian faith is that Jesus is 100% God and he's 100% man. The, the super bright, shiny theological word for that, we call it the hypostatic union, that in one person was divinity and humanity at the same time. And so Jesus had all those human emotions swirling through him in that moment. And it would have been understandable for him to be mad at God. And yet he looks to God and he calls him Father. What held him on the cross? He could have snapped his fingers and had a legion of angels take him down from the cross in a moment. It would have brought him comfort. It would have brought you damnation. He didn't do it. The reason he didn't do it is because in that moment, he was held through the difficult moment, purchasing the independence of humanity in total dependence on the Father heart of God. Hanging on that cross in a difficult moment, he knew the only thing I have going for me is that God is a father. He's a father I can trust. And I just want to ask a question this morning, who's God to you? Over the years of me coming and hanging out with you guys, I've shared the faith journey my wife and I have been going on with her brain tumor. And I remember a while back, I was floored. I went out to the kitchen and I was washing my hands at the kitchen sink and I saw a little note card in my wife's handwriting. And for those of you who don't know, it's a long story, but it's been a 10 year journey of my wife fighting a brain tumor. Uh, she's had 
brain resection surgeries, craniotomies. She's lost all her hair at one point. She's been through proton therapy. She's done chemotherapy. I mean, the number of MRIs she's had, it, it's, it's obscene, the amount of what it has cost her to walk this thing out. And one day I walked out, and I, I was washing my hands, and I just saw a little card at the counter. And she just had written on there, I will never exchange the things I know about God for the things I don't understand. What causes a person to hold the line in a moment like that? So they know who God is. And I wonder, do you know who God is? See, if you're in a difficult season right now, your way through it will not be to understand your problem better. Your way through it will be through understanding God better. Knowing who he is. That is why reading scripture is so important for the Christian that when I read this book, it tells me who God is and what he's like. That is why being in a transformed group is so essential because when you get around other people that are on the same journey, you discover who God is together. And what enables you to stay the course through the difficult moments is knowing who God is. The second thing is dependent people know their role. They know why they're there. In Luke 23, 46, Jesus cried out with a loud voice. He said, Father, but then he says this, into your hands I commit my spirit. Jesus understood hanging on the cross that if he was going to get through that trial, it was going to come through letting God be God. That in that moment, it was his role to be the servant, not the hero. It was his job to accept less than he deserved so people could get more than they deserved. Think about how the story would change if that day Jesus was hanging on the cross and he said, don't you know who I am? You're supposed to be up here. It's your sins on this cross. It's your addiction on this cross. It's your hate. It's your judgment. It's your selfishness. It's your lust. It's your sin. It's your greed. It's your humanity that deserves to be up here. Don't you know who I am? I'm sick of getting less than I deserve. Let's trade spaces. What would have happened if that's how Jesus was? You see, dependent people in the difficult moments don't forget their role. Jesus was on the cross and he, he had the humility to understand this is what I came for. Jesus, it's not my, or God, it's not my job to save myself in this moment. It's my job to see this thing through. And if I'm gonna see it through, God, I gotta commit my life to you. God, I gotta put this in your hands. Even Jesus had a moment where he had to put his problems into the hands of God the Father. And there's a lot of people in the church today and we're actually stopping the advancement of the kingdom of God because we want the lead role. Because we want the story to be about us. Because we want to be the ones who end up the heroes. We want to be the ones with our name in lights. We want to be the one that everyone knows about. And so we're, we're kind of like a celebrity showing up for a concert that has a rider for the, 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 the room before the thing. I only do blue M&Ms, Jesus. 
Don't give me any of those red M&Ms, God. No, I don't, I don't do economic downturns with tithing. That's like oil and water for me, God. I just, I don't do that. God, I don't do faithfulness to my vows even when my partner's being unfaithful. God, I don't, I don't, I didn't sign up for that, Jesus. No, I'm gonna be the hero of my story. I wanna introduce you to someone as we're celebrating this nation and what makes it great. This is a man who understood the mission is more important than the individual. This man's name is Nicholas Chet. He once walked the streets of the town that I live in. Many of you don't even know who he is. He died for you. It was December 8th of 2012. Nicholas Chet, a member of Naval Special Warfare Development Group 6, we call it SEAL Team 6, infiltrated an enemy stronghold to rescue an American pastor that was held hostage, taken captive by the Taliban, preaching the gospel in Afghanistan. An intelligence report was released to the location where Nick Check and his fire team were stationed that the death of the American hostage was imminent. And with little time to prepare, Nick and his team boarded a helicopter and executed an operation for the saving of this American missionary. I'm gonna read you the citation of what Nick Check did that day. Chief Petty Officer Nicholas Check skillfully maneuvered and led the primary assault force toward the target building. In the final steps of approaching the location for assault, a Taliban guard in the courtyard saw the rescue force and darted into the building. Realizing the Taliban guards had been alerted and that the hostage's life was in imminent danger, Chief Petty Officer Check unhesitatingly sprinted to the door and made entry into the enemy building. He was engaged by the enemy at close range, mortally wounded, but his bravery and unhesitant commitment in pursuit of the target was pivotal in the saving of the American hostage and the ultimate success of the overall mission. Nick Check died so that another person could live. Nick Check died, behind him was another individual named Ed Byers who on that very same mission would be given the highest military decoration our nation has, the Medal of Honor, because of what happened on the other side of the doorway that would not have happened if Nick did not run through that door knowing it would cost him his life. An eyewitness of the other SEALs who were on the ground that day was that Nick just took off in a sprint ahead of us and we were just trying to keep up with him. Kicked in that door and distracted those Taliban guards just long enough for the rest of the team to get there to save that pastor's life. What would have happened that day if Nick engaged in a way that said, I gotta look out for myself. He swore an oath. He wrote a blank check made payable to the people of the United States of America. And on December the 8th, 2012, that check was cashed. And a man's life was saved. But for the saving of one, someone had to die.
I want to ask you a question. What door is God calling you to run through? But you won't do it because you know it's going to cost you. Maybe it's choosing to parent the child of a family member who is adult enough to have a relationship but doesn't have the maturity to raise the child on their own. You've already raised your kids. And you thought your parenting days and diapers were behind you, but you got a family situation right now where you're facing the reality, do I have it in me to be a parent all over again for a child I didn't even create? Will you run through that door and make a difference in that young child's life? Where you have the choice, do I I go ahead and, and come clean with this addiction problem that I have, knowing it's gonna hurt my reputation, knowing it's gonna cost me my pride, knowing it's gonna expose some things going on in my life that I'm not comfortable with people knowing about, but the Holy Spirit is prompting you and he's calling you and he's drawing you and he's telling you, come through this door, but you won't go because you wanna be the hero of your own story. And I wanna challenge you today know your role it's not your role to save it's your role to sacrifice it's not your role to be the hero it's your role to be the servant what door are you holding back from walking through today see as Christians it's not my job to bring the breakthrough that's God's job it's just my job to obey And I want to ask the Christians in the room, what is God calling you to do and you won't do it? What's it calling you to? I want to let that question linger for a moment. Online, what's it calling you to? Every head bowed, every eye closed. And you're a Christian, you love Jesus, but you know right now there's a door you need to run through, but you haven't run through it because you know it's gonna cost you. You can run through that door with absolute dependence on God, knowing that He is Father and He is good you're a Christian in this place today and you're saying, Joe, you know what? I haven't run through that door, but on this day, I want to declare dependence and I want to, I want to tell God, God, I'm answering the call. And in this next season, I'm going to step through that door. That's you in this place. One, two, three, just come on, lift your hand. I want to pray for you. I want to pray for you. Hands up there, 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 here, 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 here. Come on. There's hands going up all over the room. Keep your hands up that's you keep your hands up and if you haven't lifted your hand yet but you know in this moment holy spirit's knocking at your heart and there's a door you need to walk through and you haven't lifted your hand come on i want to pray for christians to be strengthened this morning yep there's more hands going up right now i believe there's others there's another hand there other people here come on come on yep you're called to obey god at his word you're not called to make deals with him Come on, other people here. There's still hands going up. I believe the Holy Spirit is doing a work in people's hearts right now. This is the beginning of your breakthrough. Come on, keep your hand up. Come on, keep your hand up. You're saying, man, the blood's running out of my hand. Dependence costs you in Jesus' name, okay? There's moments where it's uncomfortable. 
Lord Jesus, every single person whose hands lifted, God, whatever chains have been holding them back from walking through that door, in the name of Jesus, I declare those chains are broken. And where there's been hesitation, I pray there would be courage. Where there's been fear, I pray there would be strength. Where there's been doubt, I pray right now in the name of Jesus that faith would rise. That God, where they have been living bound by secrets, I pray that they would now be released by openness and honesty in the name of Jesus. God, I don't know whatever that door is that they're sensing you calling them through. But Lord, I pray that as they obey you, that you would show yourself to be faithful and true and guide them and protect them in Jesus' name. Every hand down. You know, right now, I wanna pray for people here who have never said yes to Jesus. Today, we've been talking about the, the, the path, the life to true independence. And it's not the path that the world tells us one should take. The reality is you'll never find freedom in your own strength. But you find it through taking all of who you are, the good, the bad, the ugly. And the reality is there's good in all of you. And there's bad in all of us as well. And the reality is, is Jesus came to do what you and I could not do in our own strength. And if you could do it, if you could fix it, if you could live the life you know you were meant to live, and you could do it on your own, you'd be living it by now. But the reality is you are where you are because we can't do it without God. And the thing I love about Jesus is that he's a gentleman. He will not force his way into your story and he will not release to us something that we do not ask of him. And so today, if you've never depended upon Jesus, if you have never taken all of your strengths, all of your weaknesses and everything in between and just said, God, I'm doing the best I can, but I choose to trust you today. If you've never made that decision before, I wanna pray for you this morning. And I know every single week in Church Alive, both here and online, people make that decision to say yes to Jesus. And I wanna pray for you today. If you have never made that decision to depend on God like we've been talking about today, I wanna encourage you to make that choice. And here's the thing, if what I'm saying isn't true, you can always go back to the life you're living. But if what I'm saying is fact, then could it be that that life and that freedom and that hope and that joy and that health that you have been seeking all this time, it's not found in your own strength. But if, if it is found in Jesus, like I'm saying, you're on the doorstep of losing everything. And so if you're in this place today and you're saying, Joe, I'm done living life on my own. I wanna know Jesus. I wanna be right with God. Then I'm gonna count to three and I want you to lift your hand high enough and long enough for me to see it. And I'm gonna pray with you and for you. And we believe that through that act of faith, Jesus steps into your story and he makes all things new. Not some things, not most things, not the easy things, not just the, the acceptable things, but Jesus makes all things new. So that's you in this place. And you're saying, Joe, I need Jesus in my life. I'm done living in my own strength. I'm done doing things my own way. Then one, 
two, three. Go ahead, lift your hand this morning. That's you. Yep, there's hands there. Another hand there. There's another hand there. There's another person here. Yes, ma'am, I see you. Yes, sir, I see that hand right there. Yes, sir, I see that hand. Yes, sir, I see your hand as well. Yes, ma'am, I see you right here. Yes, sir, there's someone else there. And yes, ma'am, I see you seated right over here. Other people in here this morning and you're yet to lift your hand. Come on, God is calling you. Jesus is knocking at the door of your situation. And in this moment, not in your own strength, but through the love of God, everything can change. So that's you in this place saying, man, I need Jesus. Come on, if you haven't yet lifted your hand, just a moment more. Yes, sir, I saw another hand right over there. Anyone else? Yes, sir, there's another hand right there. Anyone else in here this morning? Awesome. Church Alive, can we give a clap and a a shout of praise for every single person? We're going to pray a prayer together right now. It's not about the words, but it is about the heart behind the words. Let's all pray. Everyone say, Dear Jesus, I need you. I give you everything. I'm depending on you. And I believe today that the path to independence is paved by dependence. Thank you for loving me. Take my sin, take my shame, and my strength. It's all yours. I trust you. And I now follow you. And I confess, I am a child of God. And you are Lord of my life. Lead me and I will follow. Amen. Amen.